0: Something New is supported by listeners like you. Become a patron on joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation.
1: Are you working on something
0: new? Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 11 of Something New, a musical theater podcast. I'm your host, Joel B. New. How's everybody been? I can't believe it. It's been a month since I released my last episode. It's been too long, I say, but I can assure you that it is worth the wait because I'm about to bring you a very special episode uh, with my new friend and my guest, Amy Ostreicher. And then we premiere a brand new song. As per usual, Amy is just about to live in New York City full time very soon. But in the meanwhile, she Skyped me from Connecticut, and what's more, she was kind enough to learn and perform and record her brand new song that I wrote for her remotely. I sent her a very basic keyboard track with some sheet music. She recorded vocals in Connecticut, and my dear friend Mike Petri recorded live guitar from his apartment, and our three powers combined, we created the first live recording of my original song entitled Hot AF. AF, I've learned, is an acronym for as f- So you can say something is, you can say the weather is hot as f It's hot AF. Or this food is fresh AF. Honestly, I've never heard anyone say it out loud. I've just seen it in writing. And so maybe people don't even say the abbreviation, maybe the abbreviation is just for visual, but you know what? I wrote a song, it's the hook, it's a good time, it's Hot AF. I'm giving you the song setup up now because uh, when I was, when, by the time I was interviewing Amy, the song hadn't been written yet, hence this belated song setup. but I'm giving it to you before the episode. My inspiration for the song is obviously the weather. It is summertime here in New York City, and it's pretty gross. Pretty gross. Summer is also a time for big blockbuster movies, and there's always at least like one quote-unquote song of the summer. And it's usually some happy, up-tempo pop song about the summer, or about boys, or about gals, or fun summer topics like that. So I decided to pretend that Hot AF is an existing pop dance song, and it was the song of the summer. And then this recording, this this version, this arrangement, is the quote-unquote acoustic version of that summer dance song that we all know and love, Hot AF. So go on that journey with me when we get to it, And just kick back and listen and enjoy this brand new acoustic version of me and Amy's hit dance song, Hot AF. We've only got two more episodes until the season five finale. Can you believe it's already here? I'm still nailing down the date and time and venue for the season five concert finale. So continue to stay tuned. Okay, I think that about does it. I am going to go to dinner. Thank you all so much for tuning into something new. Without further ado, here is episode 511 with my guest, Amy Ostreicher. <laughs> Guys, I am sitting here via Skype talking with my new friend, Amy Ostreicher. Amy, how's it going?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, happy to be here.
0: I'm happy to have you. Uh where where are you right now?
2: I'm in Connecticut.
0: Connecticut. Why, why are you there? It sounds lovely.
2: I I guess so. I if you like trees and and I uh <laughs> and turkeys, we have those too. We have lots of turkeys. Um no, it's it's nice. I'm making the move to the city. I mean, I'm in and out now, but I permanently have a place now. Um, so I'm That's great. excited because the commuting is probably the most tiring and expensive part.
0: I've gone to your website quite a bit, and like your first sentence on your bio tells us that Amy Ostreicher is a PTSD peer to peer specialist, artist, author, writer for the Huffington Post, speaker for TEDx and Rain, health advocate, award winning actress, and playwright. That's our. Does that make you tired just listening to that list?
2: <laughs> oh, is that the right website? I didn't know. was kidding. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess I haven't looked at it for all, but I guess I, I do all those things. I, I think of myself mostly as a, I mean, I would put that all under the umbrella of creativity. I mean, that's kind of my life force. Absolutely. Uh, since I was a kid and I guess all those things have kind of evolved from there, which is, which is pretty cool. I guess I, I, you know, I always love this TED Talk. Um, oh my God, now I'm forgetting the name about um putty-like, um, but uh, multi uh,
0: multi hyphenate. I bet.
2: Was that it? Yes. Because
0: um, you are the <laughs> you are the epitome of multi hyphenate.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was that. Um, but it was like, yeah, I'm not just crazy. And I mean, I think us artists are always thinking of a million things to do and our heads are always going in so many directions. So I just like, uh, being open to that. So yeah, it's led to some pretty cool things.
0: Yeah, I would say it has. Um, I met you because you actually reached out to me several months ago. Yeah. Which is always flattering for me. Um no. <laughs> and then and then I had the pleasure of seeing your one woman show at the Metropolitan Room not too Yeah, long I was ago. so happy
2: you came. Yeah, yeah,
0: I was happy to be there. It was it was a great show. How'd you feel it went?
2: Um, good. I did two shows there. I think did you see the February one or the March one? The one on the Super Bowl, God, it was tough getting people in. I I'm never booking anything on the Super Bowl again. Um
0: uh, <laughs> That's that's but interesting. I,
2: I think I yeah yeah I found that it went good um you know I just did 54 below
0: yeah you did uh
2: last month which was like so exciting for me um and it was such a great crowd too the energy was so good good and good. you know I, I I review for Broadway World so I'm there all the time so it was cool to like and I what and I've you know gone there all the time so it was, just, it was cool to get up there and do my thing and God, I would do it there every night.
0: Going back to the bio, I like how you lead with PTSD, like boldly and unafraid. You just put that out there, like, um, and I, I definitely want to get into your your backstory very in in a moment. But like, how long did it take for that to be something that you lead with that that, that you were leading with? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, for a while, I didn't even know it was a word. I mean, my, my second TED Talk actually just went live uh, yesterday. Yeah, I watched it this and morning. And in it, you know, I talk about how I think it was, you know, going through all my trauma, I was so isolated from the circumstances that I think it was a really good advantage that I didn't know a thing about psychology or mental health or, or PTSD, what it was. You know, all I really had was a, a book of, Stories and mythology and and my love of theater and finding that, you know, archetypal framework of the hero's journey, Uh you know, as suddenly it wasn't like, oh, my God, you know, I'm suffering from anxiety and all this. It was like, oh, I'm on like stage six of the hero's journey I'm just like going into the darkness and I'm fighting warriors and, and it was such a, a primal view of healing and that's wow. really all I knew and the beauty of that is that you know I would write all of these stories and stories which now is just a ton of raw material um, but it also never gave me that victimized mindset because I didn't have those labels so now like using the word like PTSD PSD specialist like you know I guess my relationship to those kind of labels is because I have never really used them you know I take that as just like a label of um first of all pride because I've you know I only now I only associate trauma with the gifts that you can find from it you know, even when they're challenging in the moment And I'm still going through challenges you know at the moment but um but you know it's a it's it needs to be brought to light because if there's one thing I've learned it's that it really is true that secrets keep you sick i mean we keep you know it, it turns into chronic pain you think about when we try to like repress like anger or fear or like just like negative emotions uh you know they come up somewhere um I love, you know, science and I'm a big believer in like law of conservation of energy. You know, you can't just get rid of energy. It just comes up in bad ways. You know, that's how it comes up in negative coping you know, patterns, whether it's you know drugs or too much Facebook or any way we try to numb ourselves. So like I never agree with uh, people or they say like, oh, you have such a positive attitude because – It's really not. I don't have a positive attitude. Believe me, I don't. Um, Because I don't believe that you should just like kind of slap on a smile. And even though my one-woman show is gutless and grateful, it's not about like, oh, life sucks, but let me just remember what I'm grateful for. Because you're entitled to feel, you know, any kind of frustration that life isn't going right. But I think our advantage as artists is that we're pretty used to, taking energy, whatever it is, whether it's the energy of fear or loss or heartbreak, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of like the tortured artist is like, I must create from my pain. But like the cool part about that is like, right, like, because we know that we can't get rid of energy. So instead, we know how to shape it, you know, into something better. So I would say, you know, rather than me having like a positive attitude about everything, um, I, I make myself cause sometimes you don't always want to, but take those negative emotions and I allow myself to feel them enough where I, and then use like the tools, you know, of, of being an artist, whether it's art or writing a show about it or singing it or just speaking it, um, to transform to something else. But, you know, going back to what you originally said, you know, that's why at this point, like saying PTSD, like, talking about all these things. I mean, I, I think I learned the hard way that, you know, when you keep things in, it it, it doesn't do any good. All that energy just manifests um, inside, and when we can't label it, like, when it just stays inside we don't know what it is, you know, that, that's how it turns into more anxiety and more pain and more stigma. And, you know, as theater artists, I think our job is we kind of present an experience uh, to the audience um, of a world they might not know about. And it's our job to kind of illustrate that and create empathy and understanding. So, you know, it's all towards that. And the last thing I'll say about that is, you know, I love that, you know, like the plays of Sophocles and, you know, the ancient Greek plays, you know, apparently, they were meant originally as plays for you know military veterans to perform, uh, to initiate them back into society, you know to so they could show you know society and embody like what they've been through. I mean, I think theater is the ultimate way of not only healing from trauma but creating that conversation with society uh you see all these like you know anti-stigma hashtags and campaigns and break the silence and all you know so people are Uh starting to talk about that stuff but really i believe that this kind of stuff can really be done best through art you know art is the great equalizer and i always say that it's it, theater is, like, the only way we can heal from trauma without even mentioning the word, you know, because it mm. just creates an experience, so...
0: You said, uh, secrets keep you sick. Like, that really struck a chord with me. And that is... a
2: uh, sh- plug. That is the last line in my full-length musical I'm developing called Leftovers, because I think I experienced that firsthand. That It's true in so many ways.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I've only recently started to believe that for myself you know i um at at one point i was was like well if i if i give voice to this i'm like i'm releasing it out into the universe and i'm gonna and that gives it more power and i've only recently for myself in my personal life realized that that's actually the the opposite is true
2: exactly it's funny because i just participated in a arts immersion salon and, and the title of it was giving voice but it wasn't for us it was artists that were giving voice to another voice that had been marginalized or repressed, um, which is why I performed um, excerpts of the other play I'm working on, uh, you know, Fibers, based on all the oral histories I did with my grandparents and relatives who survived the Holocaust, but that was such an interesting example because you know, I started that project wanting to know more about my grandmother and how she survived, you know, Auschwitz, but um, but I ended up, you know, forming such a close relationship with my great uncle Morris in Florida, who was her you know, youngest brother. You know, a guy that I've still never even met. But the beauty of that was, um, you know, taking on this project, You, everyone told me, like, oh, you won't find any information. You know, all the brothers and sisters are dead. Only Morris is alive and he doesn't talk. He doesn't remember anything. He only creates the bridge. Um, but um, it it really was giving voice to him because, you know, it started out as, like, I'm um, sorry, I don't really remember much, but it's true. Like, you get people talking, and you find that no one really wants to keep secrets. You know, people want to be asked. You know, I was, uh, you know um, in training for, like, my ptsd certification you know we're supposed to tell people like the easiest thing you can do is just say you know how are you doing and i think <laughs> as hu- as humans you, we forget that that's the easiest thing that we can do just like hey how are you and so i conducted these interviews with morris for three years and and now he's like this like thinks he's like this great public speaker and like And, like, who knew that, like, he ran from the Nazis and did these amazing things and remembers a great deal, but you have to give people the time if they don't know. You know, so many people feel like, oh, I don't have a story worth sharing. You know, that's, like, one of the most common comments I get, like, oh, nobody cares about my story. No, everyone cares about your story because we all have something to learn. And sharing our story helps us. It helps others. And it's the act of telling your story is so transformative. Um, So, you know, I think giving voice just can mean so many things. I think as humans, it's our job to, you know, give ourselves a voice and also give the space and the time and the understanding uh, and the effort to give a voice to others.
0: For those tuning in who don't know your full backstory, um, you...
2: You don't you, know who I am!
0: I know who you are.
1: And, <laughs> and
0: all my listeners are about to know who you are. So, um, you were on a track to being a professional performer since from a very young age, is that right?
2: I was! Yeah. I was, like, the, I was a musical theater kid. Yeah. Um, I was, like, I was such a dork. Um, <laughs> well, I still am, but, like, I was the ultimate, like, dork, like... From the time I was in third grade. Like, you know, like Mis was, like, my, my favorite musical as a little uh, kid. Uh, uh, um, I think by the time I was eight, I I'd seen it, like, 13 times.
1: Wow. And
2: so, like, at eight years old, when I didn't really know much, I bought, like, the whole unabridged, like, Victor Hugo book, and I tried reading it. I don't remember what I got out of it, but, but what <laughs> I remember is I wanted everyone to know how cool I was. So I just, like, took that huge book, Wherever I went with me in school, and just put it on my desk in front of everyone, and just like made sure everyone saw what I was doing. I had this like coat with like every Broadway playbill on it. Wow. I was, anyway.
0: You were that kid. And
2: I, I was more than that kid. <laughs> um, I got into a bunch of great colleges, but the colleges I wanted to go to most, I got into, were um, in the musical theater program at University of Michigan. And Northwestern, you know, yeah, I was really excited about it. I met the classes there and, um, you know, I was, it was literally the week I got my college acceptance letters and, um, you know, we had our Passover Seder, um, and my stomach just really started hurting and it just didn't go away. And so then everything just accelerated really, really fast, um, where like, you know, my dad, rushed me in the emergency room um, just to get an x-ray because he wasn't sure what was going on. And I just remember like my pain getting worse and worse. And apparently like my cheeks just like puffed up because there was so much pressure. Um, Like my cheeks just like perforated in the car and I got out of the car and I like collapsed. And then I guess like the surgeons cut into me and there was so much pressure. That my stomach like literally hit the ceiling of the operating room, and wow. I was in a coma for months. You know, apparently, it was a blood clot on like the I don't know mesenteric thrombosis or something. But if I had gotten there uh, moments later, the fluid would have gone to all my internal organs and I would have died. Wow. Um, so it was really perfect timing, I guess. Um, but when I woke up months later. Um, you know, in my head, like, I was just in dance class, I was just about to decide what college I was going to go to, but, you know, it's months later, like, I don't understand why now I can't even, like, sit up. You know, I have people telling me how much better I look, and apparently, like, my family has already kind of, you know, grown into this neighborhood of the surgical ICU, you know I was really like waking up in the twilight zone because I had never really been sick before certainly never been in the hospital before um and you know I was half dated and half apparently I did some pretty funny things um but still like just kind of out of it and then I think you know it really kind of you know struck me when the doctors finally you know, I think they waited until I was yeah, the sedation had worn off and I could take it. Um, but they told me that um, I didn't have a stomach anymore and I couldn't eat or drink and they didn't know if I'd ever be able to again. And, of course, I was like, well, okay, but I, I still have to decide what college I'm going to, you know. <laughs> and like, yeah, you're not going to college right so soon. But it, it turned into you know, six years unable to eat or drink anything and 27 surgeries and a whole lot of drama in between, you know, ups and downs. Uh, it took a lot of resilience and that was why my first TED Talk was about detours because I certainly had to cope a lot with that and, and create the important part here is that creativity was really my life force because um, when I was discharged from the hospital a uh, month later and, you know, it was actually a very I don't want to say enjoyable experience, but I'm very lucky that I have a really supportive family. Who, you know, three brothers. and My parents literally stayed with me every night for all of those months, which is why wow. I just wrote sort of, a, which is why I had enough for a huge full length musical about that because cool crazy Jewish family in there. I mean, my brother dated the night nurses. Uh, we, you know, we really, <laughs> you know, the truth is true resilience is being able to adapt and find a home wherever you are and so by the time we were discharged I think all of us were like a little um shocked like we were scared to go back into the real world and yeah, right especially me though because you know I I dream that like oh of course like when I'm out of the hospital, um, I'll be able to eat and drink, and this will be normal, and everything will be good. But I was discharged as, like, kind of half a person, you know, doctors with the wonderful uh, disconnect they have. Um, but they are like, okay, you know, uh, you're not, like, in crisis anymore, so, you know, go home. Like, that'll be good, right? But, like, you don't have a stomach, so you can't eat or drink anything, And we can't really tell you when that's going to be. So just, like, do your thing, you know, hang tight and check in with us every now and then. But anyway, that was freaky for me because Uh, when you're in the hospital, you're in your nest. And, you know, now I had to deal with, first of all, identity crisis because, you know, I was home. Like, okay, so what? I was 18 and it was over the summer and now my friends were going to college and I... Like, what was I doing? You know, I was discharged on an IV pole. And I couldn't even have water, which in the real world is terrifying because there are sinks. And my mom thought I was going to forget and eat a pretzel. She wanted to, like, tape the toilet shut in case I tried to, like, drink the toilet water. I think we are all, like, just, like, traumatized and not even thinking clearly. But so anyway, um, the first thing that really helped me was, you know, a month after being discharged, I saw like a local theater was having auditions for Oliver and I was so weak. I was yellow from all the IV fluid and I couldn't even walk. But I'm like, you know what, maybe they'll let me be part of the ensemble if I audition. You know, it'll be good to be part of a community. And I hadn't sung forever because I just got my tracheotomy taken out. And I remember auditioning And, like, I belted so well, I remember, and I just felt so frail. And I, like, came out, and I told my dad, like, that was really good. And they (laughs) gave me Nancy, which was, like, no one could believe. One, two, three.
0: Four. Welcome to Song Salad with Shannon and Scott. I'm Shannon and I'm Scott. And together we, we take a random genre of music and a random Wikipedia article and attempt to toss them together into a short song. Like an opera about insurance. Accident insurance. The craziest fool thing I ever heard. Or a grindcore song about fjords. <laughs> a rap metal song about a London bus route. Bus stop bros I got my bus stop bros This is the route I chose It's always weird and you just might learn something. Every Monday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Song Salad Play us out, Scott. <laughs> As a multi-hyphenate, you clearly have a lot to say and a lot to give, and in so many different mediums. Do you have any advice on uh, for for my listeners on how to like how to keep all of those plates spinning, and maybe knowing when and how you want to start a new plate or put one away?
2: No, <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> uh, actually, not not totally kidding. Uh, listen, you know, it's something that I'm still working on. Like my weaknesses, you know, I think it's because I was cut off from the world, uh, for so long and missed out on so many opportunities. You, I get so excited about everything and I want to do everything. And it's, I mean, I'll never forget. I always tell this story that the first time that I could eat and my brain was working. you know, because once you can eat like a whole, like all these new levels become open where like suddenly you can emotionally process and intellectually think so like i went to Barnes and Noble um and i just remember it was like it was almost like you were watching an episode of supermarket sweep like i was like <laughs> I running through the
1: show
2: <laughs> oh yeah and and i was like piling up all these books from like sign language to like immigration to like world history to like an atlas to, like, a cookbook. And, I like, I had, like, a thing, a stack pile, like, taller than me. And, like, the woman was like, can I help you with anything? Do you want a basket? I was like, no, I'm just really excited to be here. Yeah, and my brain was on fire. So, yeah, I'm still like that, but I don't think I can blame the comb on that because I've always been like that. But um, I think in terms of um plates, I think especially for artists, as, like, naturally, like, generous and – giving people, um, it's hard to say no. And Uh I think that was one of the most important things I, you know, honestly, I'm still learning how to do, um, that sometimes you have to, right. Sometimes you have to say no, but also a lot of times you have to say not yet. And, you know, for someone that had to be patient for so many years, I'm still not good at that, you know? And I always have this fear like, Oh my God, if I don't work on this project right now, you know, but then I have to remind myself, like, how did I get through not eating or drinking? Like, I remember thinking this will never pass. But the truth is, you know, everything passes. And we all know that, like, time goes before you know it. And I think one of the biggest reminders that I always have to give myself, and I think we can all relate to this, is, you know, it's it feels good in a way to be doing a million things at once. But I always feel so centered and so focused and so excited because I can give my full heart when I grant myself the discipline and the permission to write like all my other ideas in a notebook and you know as simple as it is you know to focus on one thing and believe me I'm saying that and anyone that follows me on Facebook. It just going to be like she doesn't do that, but like the times that you know, listen, that was how I got gutless and grateful off the ground, and then ended up marketing it, marketing it to uh, colleges and organizations and mental health places, which which really took on a, a whole new life. Um, and believe me, like in the back of my head, I'm like oh, my God, I should be doing my art, too, or I should be working on new plays, or why am I spending so long on this? But because I just allow those thoughts to pass, I mean, I got stuff out of it, and I was I was there for the achievements, and I think sometimes as artists, I know I do this a lot, like, we're too hard on ourselves, and we don't take the time to, you know, pat ourselves on the back for, like, wow, like, you know, I I had to say that was 54 below. Yeah. Well, I was like you know, I did the show and then the next day I was on to, to the next thing. I'm like, "Oh my god, like I remember seeing my first show here." Uh how good is that? And I think you know it's so easy for us to be so hard on ourselves and i think and again i'm saying all this as i actively try to do it cuz it's it's definitely an art in itself but i think we need to make that space
0: your hero's journey has led you to create a lot of your own work and opportunities but no one no one does it alone it takes a village um who oh, yeah. like who's in your squad
2: well the first people i have to say is my family I mean, and still are. I, first of all, from like the most basic level, I wouldn't be alive without my family. Uh Um, They just, you know, I mean, it seems ridiculous to think about, but I was in hospitals like straight from the time I was 18 to like at least 22. And except for one time where I was emergency airvaced from California and that was one night. I've never spent one night in the hospital by myself you know, which is amazing, you know, my parents are old, I have three brothers, like, who are basically in their 40s, and, you know, one of them was always with me, and that's, I mean, and that's like, anyways, for anyone, I have to give you in any form that is in the hospital or something that it doesn't matter who it is, but you need an advocate there with you, because so many mistakes get made, and I definitely would have died a ton of times, but then emotionally, um, as a support, um, out of the hospital and, and all the way up till now, all all, all up to my parents helping me find a new apartment. I mean, my I can't say enough about my family, and again, that's why I wrote this um, this uh, full length musical about them because they're definitely a cast of characters, and and it's true it, it takes a village um, to get to get through anything, and definitely my family. But but more than that, then you know when I just had my family and I was creating and creating you know I was creating out of need like it was my life force so I was very used to the mentality that like okay you create stuff on your own um, the benefit of getting healthy and getting into society and then you know I had a great opportunity to study at the you know, Eugene O'Neill Center um and do all this um you know, collaborative and devised theater work. And I'd never heard of devised theater before.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: it's so funny. Um, people laugh at me when I say this, but but I guess I, I had had in my mind, not in my mind, because I knew rationally, but I guess I'm like, I just a feeling level that like collaborating or like asking for help on a project or working with someone on a project, she was like cheating.
0: You know, which made no <laughs>
2: sense, because I, I always loved... Uh, group project I was always a given collaborator but I guess I had you know worked so hard just to you know this creativity before all this is really just to survive so when I started working in groups and like there were other people who like got my ideas and were excited about them and we're working together and generating new ideas together I'm like Oh my God, this is so cool. Like, and it's so much less stressful. And like, and like, they're not doing, they feel bad for me. Like, this is art. Like, we're both really excited about something. Yay. Um, so again, that was like, also a big, uh, main drive for me to move to the city because the cool part is that like, now that I'm out of like medical crisis land, like, I'm starting to realize there are other people like me. Uh, both in the crazy artist way and in the crazy trauma way. (laughs) And we all are passionate about similar themes. Um, And so um, it's just been amazing to start hearing ideas from people and and forming those connections. So um, I guess I would say that I don't even know if I'm answering your question anymore. Um, But but definitely a lot of people... you're,
0: You're building your squad.
2: Uh, Definitely. Yes. And then in terms of the village that helped me, I mean, my hometown, my doctors, I mean, you know, I got into a coma April of my senior year. And, you know, I tell the story in my show, but my headmaster surprised me at the hospital for my own like graduation ceremony. And I always, you know, had family and friends and, you know, people forget about you sometimes when you're going through a hard time and you have to forgive them. I think, uh, that's the biggest thing uh, when you lose touch with people. You know, it's okay. You know, you just make an effort uh, when you're both in a different headspace to reconnect. And I think I learned to never, um, say never, never hold grudges. I mean, everyone's always going through their own transformation. Um, and when you forgive other people, you forgive yourself too. Um, so I think it's been about healing, uh, connections with the past as well. Um, mm-hmm. And just uh, Giving everything a, a new chance, you know, always.
0: I could listen to you talk about things all day. I really could.
2: With that you can hire me as a speaker. That's okay. A- that's my I, nice I, I And that—that's the one thing I, I don't do. I don't sleep because um, I people always ask me like, "Oh, how do you get yourself all over the place? Do you have like a speaking bureau?" I'm like, "Yeah, the bureau of Amy doesn't sleep. She just Google's everything and emails people. <laughs> <laughs> everything I do, I do by hand. And you know that's not a good thing. I mean, I'm sure that there's a better way to do this." Um, I think eventually I'm going to like go into business with my brother, who wants to be like my manager, because I'm realizing you talk about like spinning too many plates. That between booking and publicity, and then oh my god, uh-huh. I'm an artist. I want to do my damn art. Um, yep. It really is a forty-hour-a-day no, job. I think
0: it, I think it's a struggle that a lot of us have to face, just in this day and age of self-producing, self-promoting. Like everyone's oh my an god. entrepreneur. Right. You You
2: have to be. Yeah.
0: On top of doing the thing, then you have to hustle to let people know you're doing the thing. And
2: And it's so hard. I'm realizing too, and you get all the emails from me too. It's so hard doing that. Like, with we're all broke artists. We're all like emailing people to come to our show. It's like I want to, but. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: I don't like to ask my guests like what's next necessarily because I feel like that's a question I get at parties and it just kind of makes me death tired.
2: eventually death yeah. us off. <laughs> so de-
0: other than death um, I also know you I believe you have a book coming out right
2: yeah that is um, December 2017 um, it's more than just like memoir although it is you know my life but um, you know like I'm really excited because I know I'm sharing stuff all over the place but this is really stuff that I haven't Uh, shared yet you know it has to do with um you know that to to cope I would write all these stories like these fantastical stories um that really helped get me through and and they really help heal me and I hope this book is kind of like a uh I don't want to say bible but it's it's a pretty fat book but um it's my story it's also stories that like I don't I haven't shared yet um but um really how all I had was my creativity and those inner resources. And again, the beauty of that is that, you know, one of the biggest questions I get is like, how did you make it through all that? And I'm never one for like the self-help books. Um, I see in Barnes & Noble, so like 10 steps in a workbook to Uh heal your life. uh But I, I, I will say that, you know, I was a kid like any other kid, that I was tested with really insane circumstances where I just was like, wow, God hates me. Um, but I was really, you know, I think the drive to live was more important than anything. So then it's like you hear these stories, but it's really like, okay, then that means I'm going to do whatever means necessary. And for me, you know, creativity was easy access, but for me that's also a shame that It's, you know, creativity was, you know, first nature to me. I I think we all need to learn how to think like artists um, as a survival skill. So I'm really going through every detail, um, you know, so hopefully people can see how, you know, anyone can really find these um, through really impossible situations.
0: And and what's the book going to be called?
2: Um, I will say the first part, but I'm saving the last part, yeah, you know, my beautiful detour, and then the rest and of it is... And then there's like is, a subtitle. Yeah, that you're not knowing.
0: All right, cool. So there. Well, I'm excited to find out what that is. Yeah, um. and
2: then and then I do have I do want to answer a portion of what's next because um there is there is definitely you know a healing transformative element that comes from sharing your story, and it is like a vital portion. You know, there's also the vital part that leads up to it, which is, you know, for 10 years, I just stayed isolated in my room. Like, thank God I didn't have internet. I know what Facebook was, you know, because that time was important too. just, you know, having that alone time, which I feel is like a shame that, you know, not all of us get to have. Um, and then, and then when I got to the point of sharing my story, um, it was so therapeutic and transformative. And then the beauty of that though, is, you know, at least for me where I am now, you share it so much that you get sick of it. And then you're like, I don't want to talk about my damn story anymore. And I think that's like, I think that's really the healthiest part where you're like, okay, now I'm on to the next step. Um, So, you know, I'll always be torn gutless and grateful. You know, like I said, like, it's always a great reminder. Now I do it for the idea of connection and hoping that, you know, I'm bringing out stories for everyone else. But, you know, and a big reason why I'm moving to New York too is, you know, I'm excited to collaborate on a lot of new projects that have nothing to do with my story, and it's it's refreshing for me. Um, it's just like um, you know, a, a bit after the hospital, it was so nice to like complain about the little things because it was like, oh wow, I can complain about little things now. You know, it's not like a you know minute-to-minute situation. So so I am working on a lot of new plays with a lot of amazing collaborators, uh, again, which I thought was cheating before. And now they're like, and the, the best part about collaborating is you make friends, which is, you have to understand for six years, unable to eat or drink. I had no social connection, which is so weird. Cause I was also like a social butterfly in my entire life, but you know, I couldn't. So it's really more than the art. It's I, I create for the connection. I, I don't even care what I create. I, I really just create uh, to feel, um, because that's a big symptom of PTSD and and any trauma. Like you just and anything. I mean, we can all relate to times where like we're just totally numb and just we feel like the absence of life. And sometimes we wonder like why I wake up today, you know? So, <laughs> like theater, theater is like my why.
0: And my final question: What is Kathy Lee Gifford like?
2: Um, she's. She, fun i guess um and hoda i made them i you know, because they love to drink on their show i made them yes. a little art with like little wine bottles <laughs> um but um i don't know they were fun they were nice um and actually the real uh, beauty of that was i don't know if you've seen the excerpt but you know they get like a broadway star this thing the song that they write for you on that segment, you know, that I perform my show. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'd never heard of Heidi Blinkenstaff at that time, um, who, Love you know, it's just turned into such a sweetheart um, and so talented. But but she was just uh, such a sweetheart. And, you know, when she was doing, uh, what was she doing? What did I see her in? Um, the, something Rotten. You know, I went backstage and saw her, which was, like, pretty recently. So it was pretty cool seeing her after, like, all of this but um what a what a nice person and talented
0: yes hi
2: Heidi Hi
0: I would love it if she was listening please tweet us if you are (laughs) tweet us
2: I'll tweet I'll tweet you this and say we talked about you
0: I love it I love it (laughs)
2: um
0: well speaking speaking of nice and talented people I'm so glad that you came on my show today
2: you're so oh stop it are you are you my friend you mean my friend? Oh my I'm god! I'm looking for friends.
0: I am your friend, Pres- present tense. Okay. Guys, please be sure to follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. Uh You can follow my guest. And um, what's your what's your social media handles?
2: Uh, Twitter, I'm the most on because that's the easiest. Uh, A M Y O E S, and you know Facebook. Um, I guess like my name. Yep. Friend me and, and I guess Instagram I'm on. You're on it. Uh, amyoes E S seven zero, but mostly Twitter, um, um Friend me on Facebook. Great. Send me a note. Yeah. Brilliant. Send a note through my website. So I, that that way I get you on my website. Sign up for my newsletter.
0: Yeah. AmyOES.com, right?
2: And it's not, yeah, it's not just updates like, oh, I'm doing this. It's like, I give really inspiring stuff.
0: Yes, you do. I promise. I no, do. I know. She's not lying. Uh, I'm not lying. Subscribe to something new, rate it, review this podcast, tell your friends all about it. Um this is my fifth year doing this, so I ask that you go on iTunes and give it a five star rating for five years. So please listeners do that. Um, I hope
2: this episode didn't <laughs> just bring it down like three stars. Oh
0: please, no, no, no. This was lovely. Beyond lovely. Um Yay. and last but not least, um Amy Ostreicher, thank you so much for being on my show.
2: Thank you, Joel B New. Yeah. I wanna write a song for you and it's gonna be called Jolby New.
0: Oh my god, I it's it's catchy.
2: It is. I really like that name. You should keep it.
0: Thank you. I will. Um, okay. From
2: you're you're gonna go places, kid.
0: From my office in Brooklyn and from Connecticut. Uh, this is Joel B New and
2: Amy Osterker
0: saying thank Ow, you. Say,
2: Ow. <laughs> that was good, right?
0: That was really Anytime. good. You have the part. That's we start Yay. rehearsals on Monday. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where do we open? Okay. <laughs> Bye. We're saying thank uh-huh. you for dropping by for something new.
2: Thank you. And then we're and <laughs>
1: Please harder